Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 19 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and I'm excited for this episode about investing because this is an area that we receive quite a few client questions about. So we are talking about taking control of your financial picture and options for investing. I'm excited to learn more about the possibilities available to us today. So I've actually got two guests on today's episode. We are joined by one of our owners who you've already met in prior episodes. Welcome back, Jamie Johnson. Thank you, Megan. Glad to be here. And we are also excited to welcome our first guest outside of our team here at PJS and Co. CPAs to the podcast. The purpose behind his wealth management firm closely aligns with our own. They strive to proactively challenge the status quo as to how Americans are educated about finance and money-related decisions. Our guest is the founder and president of E3 Consultants Group, where he has focused on comprehensive wealth management strategies since 1995. His passion for personal service is reflected in E3's integrated financial network of trusted advisors who help clients find the right balance of products and strategies to coordinate every piece of their financial picture. Welcome to the show, John Moriarty. Thank you, Megan. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I, you know, after that introduction and knowing that I'm the first guest outside everybody, that's that puts a lot of pressure on me. So for, for the, the cultivating business growth nation that you guys are building, um, I've got my uh, work cut out for me, but I am uh, I'm pleased to be on the show. I'm honored and humbled. I, I think what you ladies are doing is fantastic. So I am ready to contribute in any way possible. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And before we dive in completely, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you got into the wealth management business. What brought you here? So in your intro, I talked about how or you talked about how I got into the business in 1995. So I was a I was a junior in college. Uh, I played collegiate baseball, um, was involved in athletics, got my degree in finance, started an internship with a group that did insurance, tax strategies, you know, investments. And it appealed to me from an entrepreneurial perspective because I, I could get into that business and, and kind of be my own boss and, and kind of learn the business. And luckily, I was able to get into the industry with a group of folks that I could be mentored by and kind of learn from. Um, of course, getting in the business in the, the mid to late 90s, everything was about rate of return. Everything was about you know putting your money in the stock market because stock market's going to go up 20, 30% every year. And, you know, the, the, the tech bubble happens and then, you know, follow up with 2007 to 2009 with the Great Recession. The, the industry that I got into business with and the industry that we deal with today are so different. And I guess for me, 
I, I feel like our firm has kind of been preparing ourselves to build a business model that can assist individuals, families, business owners, entrepreneurs with taking control of their financial picture and not just focus on rates of return, not just focus on mutual funds or stock market, really look at things from a very different perspective. And that's that's why we um, pride ourselves on thinking differently and helping our clients from an educational-based model. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think really attracted our company to yours too, and the collaboration here, because there is that real focus on education. And that's such a big piece that's missing in a lot of companies that are assisting clients. Yeah, Megan, you and I were kind of talking before the podcast about the fact that, you know, nobody gets educated about finance in school. You know, very few people know how to balance a checkbook or, you know, if you start a business, do you have any idea about debits and credits or, you know, assets, liabilities or income statements? I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, OK, I love doing this. If I can get paid to do it, I can run a business. You know, I can control my time, my freedom, the money side of things. You know, we we live in a, a capitalistic economy that is based on entrepreneurs. You know, this country was founded by entrepreneurs. People cross the sea to come here and start their lives. And really everybody was an entrepreneur at that point. Right. And so we've, we've kind of put ourselves in a position from an economic perspective now where there's big corporations, a lot of people are employed by them, but you kind of go to school to get a job, but you don't really understand what that all entails and you know, is there financial security with that situation or is it better to be a business owner? I know, you know, PGS does a lot of work with self-employed entrepreneurs, business owners at all different levels. And it's just amazing to me when I talk with an entrepreneur, their mindset is so different from the person that say works at a big company or works at a small company, but is, you know, that, that employee. And it's, it's not right or wrong. It's just, I think there's more people today that are wanting to kind of uh, awaken their inner entrepreneur and figure out, okay, what can I do to create financial security? And normally the financial security is created not by someone else or a company or their benefits, but by my actions, what I do to create value, what I do to create income, and then how do I manage those things around me? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It, because we we all want financial security, right? There's not a person in this world that I know that would turn that down. So the fact that you want to talk about how we can personally take action to help ensure that for ourselves is really important. If you own your own business, there are different strategies that you can take for wealth management. And before we dive into the meat of the topic for today, I want to bring up the special offer that you have for our listeners. Yeah. So one of, one of the strategies that we will help clients think differently about is what they do with their safe money, what they do with cash that they're planning on using for big ticket items. Or if I'm a, um, an investor or say an entrepreneur and I need capital set aside for other investments, um, there's a strategy we call privatized banking. So we actually have a website. The URL is e3privatizedbanking.com. And if any of your podcast listeners go to that website, 
basically there's an offer to download the um, ebook that we've created called uh, building your own privatized banking system um, it's a book we wrote back in 2017 and it's it's definitely something that kind of fits into the um, the think differently mindset that we have so I just wanted to make that offer to any of the podcast listeners great well thank you for that and we will go ahead and put a link to that in the show notes for this episode as well awesome so I want to continue the conversation about your philosophy to wealth management and that education component, how you serve your clients and how that insight might be a little different than the way that other wealth management firms handle their clients. Sure. So one of the things that we did a long time ago is we focused on building an integrated um, financial resource network. So Wealth management includes investments, cash flow, you know, taxes, estate planning, debt management. So we we set out to bring resources together. And the reason we did that was we felt like for individuals, families, business owners to really look at their overall financial picture and say, hey, how do I how do I put myself in the best possible place to, to build wealth over time, we need to do that with those different resources. So we, we brought that network to the table. And then we also have what we call our advance and protect philosophy, which essentially just talks about looking at money in a little bit different way than maybe the, you know, the norm. Um, so we're, we're always looking at risk based on how do you, um, put money to work? What asset classes do you put those dollars in? Most people, they're familiar with the typical assets, stocks, bonds, and cash. We talk to clients about alternative investments. Um, anything that isn't stocks, bonds, and cash, we would look at as alternative. So it could be real estate, commodities, private equity, um, hedge funds, running your own business, do it private lending. Um, you know, it's anything under the sun that isn't the typical stock bonds and cash. Okay. And we do that because we believe people need to be educated, not think outside the box, but more think a bigger box exists. And this is the way that endowment plans, um, institutions, you know, the, the Warren Buffett's of the world, they, they've been investing this way for, for really centuries. So getting access to that type of education and then coupling that with some different strategies related to tax. So we, we look at taxes based on how Uncle Sam looks at taxes. So you've got taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts, tax exempt account. And so when you're saving money, how do your taxes play into that picture? And then when you start to utilize your money, we want to figure out, okay, well, what's the purpose of your money? And then how do we protect it? So every asset, every investment account, every place you're going to store money, we're going to try and figure out what level of safety do you want? How much liquidity do you need? And when do you need it? And then what's your growth profile? What, where's your growth coming from? Is it coming from income sources? Is it coming from appreciation? And then we take all of that, that is kind of extracted from our client conversation, and then try to coordinate all of those different pieces of their financial picture with their accountant, with their attorney, with their you know banker, and bring all of those resources to the table so we can have kind of a uniform conversation. And 
it, it might sound like a lot. It might sound like it's overwhelming for a lot of clients. Sometimes it is because they've never thought about money this way. We just believe that this, this mindset is, is kind of the best case scenario for clients. And we're very willing to take the time necessary to get clients to feel like first I'm, I want to be educated. If you educate me, I'm going to build confidence. Mm -hmm. Once I'm confident, there's a good chance I'm going to be willing to take action. And then over time, we, we, we use the action steps that uh, our clients take to build trust with them. And we know that we have to earn that trust. It's not because, oh, well, I'm going to open an account with you. So I, I trust you implicitly. You can do whatever you want. It's no, we, we have to earn that trust every time we're in front of them, every time we're having conversations, because money is a very intangible thing. It's something a lot of people don't understand. There's emotional aspects to it as well as logical. And in my 25 plus years of being in the business, I've, I probably have met maybe 10% of the clients we work with kind of deal from a logical dollars and cents perspective. There's a lot of people that it's, money is very emotional and they make decisions based on what makes them feel good about it. Not, well, what, are, what's the number say? Right. Well, cause it's a sense of stability, yes. right? That's, your, yeah. that's yeah. your stability for yourself and your family. So there's a lot of fear, Absolutely. I think, surrounded in investing in stocks or especially if after 2007, 2008, yes. if you went through that and you were laid off and, yes. you know, there was a lot of, instability that happened as a result of that whole situation. So it is a lot scary. of, yes. And a lot of people work with financial professionals who they just kind of deal in one area or another. So therefore, if that's the only area I deal in, say investing and I, you know, I make money when you put money in the market and I charge a fee and that's what I do for a living. If I'm someone that doesn't want to have money in the market for whatever reason, and that's the only way I get compensated as an advisor, then I basically have to convince you that it's okay to be in the market versus for us, if, if you're not comfortable with the market, great. Let's look at other options. Let's look at other ways to put your money to work. Let's look at other strategies. Well, and that kind of leads us into our next point that when someone is looking for a wealth management firm, it's important that they find someone who's independent. So can you tell us about what that means and why it matters? So the financial services industry is made up of you know, tens of thousands of very good people. Um, you know, they, they have their clients' best interest in mind, I, I truly believe. Um, but their business model may be structured uh, very differently. So if, if I work for a company like an Edward Jones, I'm, I'm an employee of Edward Jones. Edward Jones has its own business model. So I, I kind of believe in their philosophy. And then I go out and I deliver what I think is best based on Edward Jones' model. If I work for you know a, a bigger brokerage firm, let's say I work for Wells Fargo or um, J.P. Morgan, I may have some flexibility in the way that I set up my business, but you know that entity is going to kind of drive you know what I'm incentivized to do for clients, where where I'm incentivized to kind of put things in place. And again, I have a lot of really good friends at those different places. I have a lot of different um, uh, kind of networking relationships with folks. And I, I understand those business models. What, what we did with E3 a long time ago, we wanted to create what we call an advisor owned model, meaning that all of our advisors are independent contractors. They're 1099. 
They, they can work with whatever client base they want. They can serve them in whatever capacity. They can offer them whatever services they desire. We just want to support them, help educate them in as many areas as possible. And then they're really the one that's building the relationship with the client. Therefore, they should know what's best and what is a good strategy or strategy that might not fit a client. So we just believe that model gives the autonomy and the independence to an advisor, but they're not out there on their own. They're not trying to figure out, well, you know, what are these different strategies? They're not just doing their own due diligence. We have a team that kind of backs all of that up. Great. And I know one of the big questions that we get from our clients is about retirement. So I'm going to turn this Mm -hmm. over to Jamie because I know she has a lot of conversations around this topic and um, we wanted to pick your brain a bit about a couple of things. Absolutely. You know, one of the biggest questions we get from our clients is, is, is what can I contribute to my retirement accounts and what has the best, you know, tax advantage and everything. Um, and obviously we have our 401k, mm-hmm. um, you know, maximum, you know, limits where that's from an individual perspective. So no matter how many entities they, they have, they, they have that, it's an individual limit. It's not necessarily a company limit per se. So, um, you know, how they work that out from a tax strategy, obviously, right. you know, we can do that. Um, but are there any other things that you're seeing that that you see from a combination perspective from somebody who's more of that small to mid-sized business owner that, you know, seems to work or can increase those retirement accounts? Maybe it's not a retirement account, but people are investing in something to basically increase, you know, their retirement, uh, you know, plan, I guess, plan on at a later date. Sure. So they might not call it a retirement account, but maybe something else that they're investing in to to come to fruition later on? That's yes, that is a great question, Jamie. And I think um, we're, we're at this point now where I think in society, because we've had um, some fluctuations on the stock market at a pretty substantial level, uh, going back to 2007, 2008, and then going back to, you know, 99, 2000, where everybody they don't look at the stock market as a sure thing, but they also look at it as, well, it's, it's something that I sort of understand, or at least there's readily available data about it because that's what, you know, you turn on a TV and they're talking about the stock market or the economy. But what we've started to see with clients is kind of a conversation about, okay, first off, what are you really trying to accomplish? You know, like for a lot of our clients, we, we, we kind of find them in three mindsets. Um, one would be like the worry mindset where I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about everything. I'm, you know, how am I going to pay for this? What am I going to do? How do I pay off the house? How do I put my kids through school? Am I ever going <laughs> to retire? Right. You know, <laughs> I'm raising you know, my hand. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that so to understand there with somebody who's in that mindset, sometimes what you've got to do is say, if, if I'm focused on retirement or I'm, I'm working with my quote unquote financial planner and I'm worried about retirement, it, is that the priority? Like, I know the idea of compound interest and building money up, but really what you got to do is you got to look at your, if you look at your personal economy, like you would a business, you look at assets, liability, you look at cash flow, you look at your income statement, like you may decide maybe the best thing for me to do right now is to pay down my liabilities or free up as much cash flow and and maybe store that or build that up so that I can 
maybe diversify the way I put my money to work. Maybe it's not putting in your 401k because if I'm in my 20s, 30s, or 40s, I've got that money tied up till I'm 60, right? Well, maybe I want to have that money build up in real estate, or maybe I want to, you know, I work for a company right now. And my goal is in, you know, five years after I really learn the industry, maybe I want to go off and start my own consulting company or go off and start doing something else. So what we try to do is take those clients from the mindset of worry to wealth and, and really it's wealth creation. So what are you doing to create wealth? Well, part of it is you're saving and investing. The other part is you're getting very strategic with your taxes. So normally deferral is like, we look at like five ways to kind of reduce your taxes. And deferral, I don't want to say it's like the last thing we look at, but if you look at priorities, like deductions would be number one, conversion, meaning converting, you know, like ordinary income to say portfolio income or converting, um, you know, ordinary income to a passive investor, because then it, it gives me more tax benefits. Then we'd look at tax brackets. So how can I, how can I save money on taxes by getting into a lower bracket at a window of time to where then I can put money to work and then other strategies that might be say tax credits or other, um, other advantageous strategies like maybe bonus depreciation with your real estate or other things that you can do that are in the tax code that will improve your wealth situation. And normally when we get that conversation or get into that conversation with clients, so moving from worry to wealth, they start to say, well, you know what? I, I don't really like the stock market, but I like real estate or yeah, I'd really like to own my own business or I'd like to do whatever it is. Um, I have a lot of clients today that they're saving money, but what they're really looking to do is they want to make a couple passive investments in different industries or do different things. And they're like, you know, I, I kind of like to own my, this is their term, not mine. They're like, I kind of like to own my own little mutual fund where I own like a piece of a couple different companies and I'm getting residual income. And when a client comes and says, Hey, this is what I want to do. We're like, okay, well, let's figure out how to do that. Let's figure out what do you need cash flow wise? Uh, what's, you know, what's the minimum requirements? Where do you need to be? And ultimately, if we if we're able to help them in that situation, they create their own retirement. I like to I like to say to clients, the first thing that we have to do when we talk about retirement is define what does retirement yeah. mean to you? What does it look like? What is it an age? Is it an amount of income? Is it a mindset? Like if you get to a point where you can have the same amount of passive income coming in um, from other assets that equals what you know you have to pay for your mortgage or your lifestyle. Technically, you could be retired now. What used to be the definition of retire is I work from you know when I start a job, I work till I'm 65. I stop working, I get out, I stop earning income, and then I just collect it. You know, I collect a pension check. I collect social security. I was going to say a pension mindset. (laughs) What happened? There's no more pensions. No Companies are like, this is too expensive. We can't continue to do this. So now it's like, okay, well, if we have that same mindset about retirement, but we don't have the same access to, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm in my third, like I'm 45, I don't really plan on social security being there when I get to whatever age I qualify for. Now it may be there, but I'm not going to count on it because it's something I don't control. 
Mm-hmm. But if I can focus on things that I can control and different types of assets or investing or strategies that I can control, to me, that's a better definition of retirement. And so it's like sometimes we, we feel like we're clients think they're going to talk to us and all we're going to do is talk about how they should take more risk. And actually, we're doing the opposite. We're like, no, 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 no. You need to take the least amount of risk. Like, let's figure out the best way for you to grow your money with the least amount of risk. Now, remember, you can't get anywhere from a wealth perspective without risk, like it, because you can't stick money in the bank or your mattress and make anything anymore. So there's a risk component to it. But let's figure out the least um, risky thing. And that risk is probably going to be based on the time you spend with it, your talent, your knowledge, and then how much capital is going to actually be invested. And so our, our mindset with retirement is so different and really with a lot of entrepreneurs. And I know, you know, PGS does a lot of work with business owners. I mean, business owners just themselves, they're just, they're a different animal. So like coming into them and saying, Hey, let's put a 401k together. Now, maybe that 401k would be good for their employees or, you know, for folks to get started with saving. And and again, I'm not saying 401k and retirement planning is bad. I'm just saying that if everybody does the same thing and limits, you know, their, their ability to grow money and they put it in one particular place, it, that might not be the best thing to retire with all of your money in a 401k, because then, you know, you've got tax limitations, you know, you're, it's all going to be at ordinary income. You, you can't be very flexible with how you're investing it. So to us, we want to have those conversations with clients. And if they do really start to think differently, then they'll tell us what they want to do, you know, and it, that, that's what's important to us. And I, and I think, I think you touched on something that was really, really important and something that, you know, really, we really try to do too, is, is kind of understand what the end, what, what's your end goal here? Because that end goal, they may have just kind of made that up or they decided that, or they thought that was nice or it was a good thought or, you know, so it's kind of a, a goal, but it's not necessarily hasn't really been thought through a lot. You know, somebody says, well, I'm just going to sell my business and that's my retirement. Well, that's a great plan. But like (laughs) there's a lot of steps in the process. Like there's a lot of risk if you don't do some planning along the way and understand. I mean, there's a lot of eggs to put in one basket without talking it through and what that actually means and the steps it takes to get there and everything in between, you know what I mean? Cause there's probably a good amount of years too. And I think that's something that, you know, we try to do too is like, okay, what's the end goal? Like, do you want to sell this business in five years? Do you want to look at, you know, like, do you want to have this until retirement? Do we have the longevity of, you know, what you're, what are you trying to accomplish here? And then let's work backwards and then let's, let's get there. But you need to understand the steps and what it's going to take to get there. And maybe we take a different route and the end goal ends up modifying and changing, which is completely fine. You know, I mean, life throws us curveballs sometimes and we have to to adjust. And I think but I think that's so important. It's like, okay, at the end of my life or at the end of my work life, (laughs) what what does that look like? And, you know, what is it? You know, there's some ambiguity there for me. You know what I mean? Because it's Mm -hmm. just. We're still in kind of the building up stage to a degree where it's like, I don't know, you know, there's different things that could definitely reroute and, you know, life throws us different curveballs. But talking about that and understanding those things along the way, as opposed to just kind of being 
ignorant, and I don't use that as a derogatory word, but just ignorant to the steps that it takes and, you know, different things along the way that could really even increase the value of the business or increase their, their, whatever investments they're doing. You know, there was things along the way that really could have helped and been structured because that old way of thinking too, of like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to basically increase my equity in this company and I'm going to keep all the money in the comp business and everything. And it's funny because the last like handful of buy sells that we've done, there's no value in it. Like right. it's not, it's not valued, but people don't look at that and go, oh my gosh, you have my $3 every, million. Yeah, dollars. Yeah, a business owner, a business owner normally, yes, overly values their, their business. Right. They've spent 20, 30 years building it. And, mm-hmm. and that's why for a lot of the, the conversations we have with clients, we're always like, let's, let's figure out how we can build in the maximum amount of flexibility access and control of your money. And if we do that, no matter what the strategy is, we think that's going to give you the best options. And for us, Mm -hmm. people that have options who are educated normally are able to make the best decision at that time. You know, we, to us, that's the most important thing. Sometimes it's the right decision. Sometimes it's the wrong decision based on the current situation, but if you make the decision with as much information as possible, you can at least sleep at night. And that's, you know, there's going to be some things you can control. A lot of things you don't. We're just wanting to put them in a position of as much control as possible. Exactly. So if anyone's listening right now and wanting to schedule a call to talk to you about their options, where can they find you? So our website, e3wealth.com. And if you want to email us at info at e3wealth.com and just, you know, tell us where you heard about us. If you heard us on the podcast or you looked at the website and you had some questions about different things, um, that is the best way to kind of reach out to us. And, And again, we're very much about educating people. So if someone reaches out and says, hey, you know, I'm just trying to learn a little bit more about this or this be more than happy to provide them some different resources that we have. Perfect. And one more time with that free offer for everybody, the privatized banking. Yes. So yeah, the website is e3privatizedbanking.com. And on the website, you can basically sign up to download the free ebook, uh, Building Your Own Privatized Banking System. Awesome. Well, thank you again, John, for joining us this morning. It was a pleasure digging in and learning more about your expertise. And I know I myself probably need to have a conversation with you. <laughs> so um, you, know, you know how to reach me. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. As we always say, keep that momentum going and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.